Welcome to It's Not That Deep with me, Lucy Woods, a mindfulness teacher, and me, Adrienne Kirk, a psychotherapist. Every episode, we discuss navigating the messiness of everyday life. We know it's a big subject, but we will do our best to discuss it lightly and make some sense of it all. In this episode, we are discussing why do we find it hard to take advice? So this one feels really uncomfortably close to home, particularly to my younger self. Oh, definitely <laughs> to my youthful self. I'd like to think I'm a bit better at it now. Yeah, me too. And, I, and, I th- and I, I'm pretty sure I am. I'm much more open to hearing other people's point of view. And I think a couple of things. I think my, my level of anxiety, particularly as a youngster, made me quite defensive of my own opinions. Um, and and find it really hard to take other people's. Um, the biggest one of those was uh, was the first time I got married, um, and, <laughs> and somebody um, said to me, "Yeah, you know, you don't have anything in common, right?" Wow, um, I know. They could I, see that. Yeah, yeah, and I went, "I know, but don't say anything." There must have been something in common, but maybe it wasn't the things that keep a marriage together. Yeah. Yeah, in <laughs> retrospect, I'm struggling to think of anything, to be fair. I mean, um, and I knew, right, I knew inside that it was wrong, but I shouldn't do it. Yeah. I knew particularly on the day. Right? Wow. So as as the car was driving us to the ceremony. God, that's so hard, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and at that point, I, th- I was really young, getting married too young, mm. and I thought, it's too late. All these people are here. They've spent all this money. They're staying. They've bought presents. I, I can't not. I can't not do it. I can't call it off. My parents have spent a fortune, you know. And that's it. You've hit the nail on the head, though. It's the youth thing, isn't yeah. it? And when we were kind of having a chat about this topic, that sense of we don't have a sense of consequence when we're younger. We literally haven't got the brain capacity sub 25 really it to to really understand it and so yeah. much of learning about consequence comes from experience it's not until you've actually been through the stuff that you can go oh maybe I'll learn from that one yeah absolutely so all I could see were the very immediate consequences of calling it off but I couldn't think of the the, conse- long- the long-term consequences of what ended mm-hmm. up being an unpleasant short unpleasant marriage right? and also the consequences around marrying someone I don't have anything in common with because yeah. it felt okay at the time yeah. so why think about what it's going to be like in five years time ten years time it's just so grateful somebody wanted me <laughs> there, are, oh, there are always going to be reasons absolutely. like that that support our decisions mm-hmm. and it's a bit like confirmation bias or whatever that we're trying to shoehorn in and I mean I'm speaking from youthful experience as well reasons why this decision is right for me even in the face of everybody else saying it's probably not yeah absolutely and often we haven't solicited those views right we we haven't asked for somebody else's opinion so that also I think can make us kind of dig our heels in um and that sense of I just want you to share my joy or excitement or enthusiasm for whatever this decision choice I've made is the horror (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting there's there's two there's the times when we really do go and say oh what do you think of this and if we get the face of horror we really didn't want that we wanted sort of validation I wanted you to say yes it's a great idea to do x y or z or there's the times when we just say I am doing this with no request for information 
And we get the look of horror. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I always remember my nephew when he was, I don't know, 18, 17, something like that, saying saying to us all as a family, you know, I, I want to make my own mistakes. I, I want to, I don't want advice from other people. I want to learn by doing. And, and, and actually, I think that's really wise. And I think it shows a great deal of insight that he could see that that was the reason. Because I think lots of us, most of us at that age, that is the reason we don't really want advice. We just don't know that it is. It just feels sticky unsupportive mean you know that people aren't aren't kind of just going with us yeah yeah and and so then what you're pointing to is kind of this sense of just saying I'm just going to learn by myself and you know I've got 18 year olds roaming around everywhere actually one of them's 19 now um and there's there's not much advice taking going on. There has to be learning from mistakes. Yeah. But again, you said earlier something around it depends who it comes from. Yeah. So there are some people we have to take advice from. Either it's kind of we we really don't know anything, and you mentioned um, you know, people that are kind of teaching us something. Yeah. We can't think we know more than someone that teaches us. Maybe we can. Well. <laughs> At school, I suppose young people do that, don't they? Yeah. Oh. Um, but then if it's like family members or friends and then we're less likely to think well what do they know they're not me yes they don't get it they don't understand where I'm coming from that kind of stuff yeah yeah and if it's from older people you know so it's that sense of kind of well what what do they know about being my age now Mm. you know it was different in their day and it's not you know it's yeah, it's so funny because, yes, the world was very different, but being human wasn't. No. Getting involved in relationships just wasn't. No. You know, it's all the same stuff that plays out now, isn't it? But the same thing will happen to them, right? They will get to our age and they'll look back at their 18-year-old self and go, dear God, I was young, right? <laughs> They're 18 now and they go, I'm an adult, I can do this myself, I don't need your help. So what's interesting is we're talking about young people, right? But that, mm. in some people that doesn't grow. Some people, you know, we sometimes talk about patterns and, yeah. and beliefs. Now, if you really ingrained, I don't need other people's advice or I, I learn best by finding out on my own, and you take that with you the whole way through, yeah. that can be really kind of preventative to, to our own learning and, and perhaps a belief that doesn't necessarily serve us when we would be quite advised to take advice so would you say that some people do you know you're probably better positioned in the role that you do to say some people do carry that sort of belief with them that other people's opinions aren't as important as listening to their own advice yeah absolutely um and and i think it happens in lots of different sorts of people but certainly people i see are people for whom they hold that belief and also an awareness that it's somehow life isn't working for them. Otherwise they wouldn't be in my room, right? If they if they had that belief and they were happy with it, they're not gonna to come to therapy. They're just gonna continue happily making the same mistakes. And the thing is that sometimes their stuff will work out, right? Yeah. And because we have a confirmatory bias, they're gonna go, well, it works. Yeah. You see, I've got all this evidence that it works. And there's, you know, all the stuff where it didn't work is sort of, is pushed to one side we don't see that and I think if so I think I think I see very specific sorts of people so maybe people who had um, a really tough time as, as children or adolescents and 
uh, develop strategies that supported them then and have an awareness now in their middle age that that's it's not working for them in the same yeah. way that they're doing the same things but it it doesn't feel like it's the same results yes yeah, so it's a carryover of some other beliefs yeah absolutely and and then they might seek help but actually because that sedimented belief that they can't trust other people they can only trust themselves you know that that takes a long time then to unpick in the therapy room and it must be in real conflict with i keep failing at things yeah so you've got this polar polar opposite things kind of thing. so people are telling me i should be doing this and i'm ignoring that because yeah. i like to be independent and make my own decisions and also i'm a failure it's not working for me i keep messing up I'm terrible at relationships. I did a little pause there because you know, that was perhaps a belief that I did carry. Yeah. Um, maybe not so much anymore. <clears throat> Although my other half might beg to differ. No, I hope not. But you know what I mean? That actually there's that conflict then between this fiercely independent doing what I want to do with it not working for me and probably perhaps being open to it that ends them up in a therapist's chair. Absolutely. So there's um there's jargon for that. It's called cognitive dissonance. So so holding two contradictory beliefs simultaneously. And as human beings, we're hardwired not to like that. It feels really uncomfortable. So at that point, what the point where it's where where it where it becomes intolerable, I think that's the point at which people will seek help from either of us, right? Because that might also be something that drives people to find mindfulness, a, a sense of, you know, not not be inhabiting their beliefs and thoughts, but, yeah, but allowing... Yeah, a new way of absolutely. relating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, there are also people, we all mostly know people who, who have never worked out that they're holding this cognitive dissonance. And I think that's where we can really come in and be helpful. <laughs> is to you know mindfulness certainly does that and i know therapy does that as well is to kind of present that mirror to say you know this is what's going on and so often i'm drawn to that poem that we've spoken about before which is the portia nelson there's a hole in my side yeah that falling into the hole and not realizing it and then not taking accountability even though you know you keep falling into the hole awareness which we help to cultivate helps to bring about that really kindly but honest sense of ah this is how I'm being and this is how it's not serving me and this is how it's not helping me and so perhaps more openness to taking information in from elsewhere whether that advice comes from friends and family or a professional yeah there's perhaps more openness to it I think a lot of it comes from the the need to kind of be not right. Mm. What am I trying to get at? You know, I think I definitely had this as a as a youth, the fear of failure. Yeah. I suppose actually yeah. that that you know I need to be a successful human being. I don't mean career wise. I mean as I need to 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 do it, and I'm on my own with this stuff. And so there's a reluctance to kind of let go of this is who I am. Um, mm. 
Yeah, do you, you know what I'm kind of getting at? I, I, I do, I do. And that, you know, that sense of self as being somebody who's competent and, you know, uh, and, and knows what to do and, and how and when and all of that, you know, is we can get really attached to that. And then it's, and then it's really distressing it's intolerable the word I've already used today um you know to be challenged to have someone go yeah but have you thought about this and it's not quite working for you is it yeah and then we need to unpick ourselves and actually put ourselves back together in a in a kind of different way and I don't that's what I feel I did absolutely and I don't think everybody is ready for that you know and some people I think are never ready for that right so so they're they're always going to be people who who resist being told and who get quite defensive about it as if it's a personal attack absolutely and i think that's the thing right that they're that they're so identified with that as a as an identity as as a who they are that anything that challenges those views feels like a personal attack yeah and so, um, um, George, sort of how we manage that for someone that doesn't like advice. Let's mm. not ask for it. Yeah, <laughs> because it, it, you're often going to be disappointed, you know. But actually, can we hold a mirror up a bit and say, if I'm unhappy, if I sense that there's some cognitive dissonance in how I'm being and how things are working out for me, there might be another way, you know, being open to recognizing that. Yeah. And and I think we have to have that sense of honesty about. I don't receive advice very well. Now, just because we've asked for it and just because it's given doesn't mean we need to take it. But perhaps we could really listen to it and really process it and really see if it kind of resonates or not. Because what you just described was just a hard no. Yeah. Before it's even, it hasn't even crossed that. The, you know, there's a few words that would have triggered or something. Yeah, I've heard and an then attack. The and the wall now, is up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think cultivating a level of curiosity in what is being offered to us the words that are being offered the ideas that are being offered you know and and we've talked about this before right the trying to cultivate that that sense that people that we love and care for have our best interests at heart and they might they might it might not be phrased well or it might not it we might not like the way it comes to us but can we for a moment hold the thought that they have our best intentions at heart yeah and and that's exactly (laughs) what i just kind of made a note say oh i have to think it's not the action because the way people might do it might be clumsily or they might choose the wrong words but do they have my best intent, my best interest at heart? Is the intention behind it? We've spoken about this before. Yeah. Is it a good one? And if there's someone that we've sought advice from or we're willing to engage in that conversation with, then we generally would like them already or have some kind of trust in a relationship. So to poo-poo them out of hand yeah. might be a bit foolish on our part. Yeah, absolutely. And to notice, I think, where we are conflating our sense of self with with these beliefs about ourself right so our thoughts they're not us they might express how we are feeling or being in that moment but they're not they're not us and they can change and so getting that little bit of distance so feeling that resentment or irritation at getting advice 
feeling that rise and thinking, can I, can I just put that aside one moment and hear it, knowing that I don't have to take the advice. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that, you, you mentioned that earlier, I think it's really important that, that just because somebody offers us advice, we don't have to take it. And I think, I think if we always just take the advice that we're offered, that's also problematic. Oh, we just get caught up in knots. Absolutely. And there's something in, in what you said there about kind of really allowing ourselves to sort of percolate the information. Yeah. Where we have to bring that, that kind of wall down a bit and allow it in and be willing to kind of hear it. Yeah. And that, that's not always easy. No, it's really difficult. And in therapy a lot... A lot of times, I you know, I'm, I might say to a client, putting aside how you think about it, if you were to be able to hear that, what might that be like, right? Mm. So, so kind of playing what if, you know, what if I could hear that? What if I could think about that? What if, you know, what would that be like? What would that, what might that bring? Yeah. And that that can help us kind of edge towards something between the either or so we're back to my messy middle right because because either i just take my own advice or i have to take other people's advice somewhere in the middle is a conversation about consequences and options and and often there isn't one right answer yeah and and it strikes me that what could so easily happen is rather than the, the sort of somewhere in the middle compromise, messy middle thing, which is often where the, the right thing is found, when we stay very much kind of thinking about it, we'll have sort of that cartoon good angel, bad angel, yeah. having a row about, you know, you should do this, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And it makes it very easy to make the wrong decision. Mm or very hard to make any decision at all. Well, I think it can bring out our inner adolescent, right? Mm. It's like, well, I'm not I'm not going to, you know. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just not. I'm sticking with my own, regardless of all of this evidence, yeah. you know. I think it, it, it can, it can really, can really bring that up in us. And you're right, it's very hard then to kind of step away from that and to... We get stuck on yeah, that. Yeah, and to, and to feel, you know, have that sense of, in my body what feels right yeah and i'm just struck by we've spoken that the podcast uh, about trusting our gut instinct yeah. that's where we need to kind of tune into yes because that sense of what's really right for us boy do i wish i'd listened to that a lot more than i have done in my life i really try now yeah. to to and i have to get out of my head to do that like you say into that feel in the body whether this feels okay and I'm still kind of struck that I don't have the words to really articulate what that sense of gut mm. instinct is. But I think we all know we've got it yeah. when we, and but we might not be good at listening to it. Absolutely, and I think we I think we can get confused about it, right? I think we can we can think no, that's so that's just what I what I wanted to do is my gut instinct. But actually, the gut instinct is informed by extra evidence that we you know that, yeah. that we we might not have asked for it right it just kind of comes at us from other people but if we can allow that in like you said that percolation of all of this available evidence you know to and sit with and it. sit 
<laughs> Absolutely. You know, then, then our then our gut instinct is paradoxically is more informed, mm. right? And, and so is is a is a safer place mm. to be than. But my inner adolescent just wants to, you know, do whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Have the dodgy relationship. And it's a bit like the coin toss thing. Yeah, isn't I, was, it? I was thinking Sometimes, exactly that. Because you said what if earlier, and yeah. I think that feels so powerful to say, okay, let me imagine for a moment that this is the decision I've made. And rather than sort of cognitively processing, well, this might happen, that might happen, actually being in the imagining, using our imaginations to good effect, being in that sense of this is me in two weeks time, five years time, whatever, how would I feel about this decision? Yeah. And if there's a really strong, uh, you know, that that's what informs us. I don't know what that uh, is. I'm doing a sort of resistance hand gesture. But I think there's a there's there's something in imagining ourselves in mm. those scenarios long enough to re and really listening to that gut, really trusting that, and comparing it to perhaps another decision or another few decisions, and kind of yeah. giving ourselves the space and time to do that. But if we're right from the offset, going no, there's never that opportunity no. to take on any other information to help inform the gut. Absolutely. And then we end up in a situation where we might be saying, oh, this always happens to me. <laughs> Things never quite go right. And we're in hole number one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my brother once said, you can't impart wisdom. And it was probably, I mean, I'm thinking I was in my mid-twenties, maybe early thirties, and it's always stayed with me mm. that you might see someone that's, really making the wrong decisions and you know they are and they don't know they are and you might desperately be wanting to help them but unless it's willing to be received yeah. then you're not going to be listened to and it doesn't say anything about you as the advice giver but as the advice giver we would be kept we would take it is important I can't think of the words I was going to say to be mindful about the way we articulate our advice yeah and i think especially around kids or something our own children you know it's often tempting to go no don't do that and i mean that's the that's the best thing to say go on go right ahead and do it because there's this extreme reaction yeah and i think we could all kind of do well to just really consider the way in which we might address someone who is making decisions that we think are not helpful for them and also accept a point in time when it's not my responsibility yeah absolutely you know we we are all capable of making decisions and then living with the consequences right and and just as if if we're an outsider and we think it will go wrong and it does at some point that doesn't mean that that hasn't been valuable or important or there's learning there for that person yeah. so I think you know we sort of started off by by the the question was why is it so hard to take advice and I think because we get closed and defensive and you know and 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 learning to cultivate that kind of curiosity that openness to the possibilities mm -hmm. and I think that's all we have to do so it's not about taking other people's advice or not. Yeah. It's about willingness to be open to exploring what 
they're saying. Yes. And then sensing whether this does feel like a right decision. Yeah. And when we make the wrong decision, or it, on reflection it feels like maybe we could have made a different decision, hopefully it's not that deep. You know, hopefully it'll be a lesson or a something, yeah. or we start again. Yeah, and also there are very few situations where the wrong decision is completely catastrophic, you know, or that the right decision is perfect. Is perfect, right? There's no such thing. That's about being human. So we can always it depends on how we evaluate what our outcome is. I'm doing inverted commas in the air now. You, you know, to to whether or not that was uh the right decision. I think you know, I, it's extremes again. Yeah, there's right or wrong. Exactly, there are bad. exactly there are lots of right decisions. It just depends what we mean by right. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. It seems like a good place to bring the conversation to an end. Yeah, love that conversation. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to "It's Not That Deep" with Lucy Woods and Adrienne Kirk. If you've enjoyed listening, why not subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode.